This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're chatting with Sam Francis, Bates Class of 2017, who parlayed his Bates Athletics experience in football and lacrosse and his academic talents as a double major in math and economics to become a trusted member of the Super Bowl-bound Cincinnati Bengals coaching staff as the team's data analyst. Plus, meet Mainer's Simon McCormick, who led Bates men's basketball to a season sweep of Bowdoin. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Bates men's basketball team split a pair of NESCAT contests over the weekend against Colby and Bowden. The Bobcats fell the Mules on Friday, but bounced back to defeat the Polar Bears 83-77 on Sunday. Sophomore Simon McCormick from the small main town of Whitefield led the way for Bates, scoring a career-high 19 points, knocking down 5 of 13 three-pointers, and recording 8 rebounds, 6 assists, and 4 steals. All career highs as well. And Simon McCormick is our male Bobcat of the week. Simon McCormick with us here on the Bobcast talking some men's basketball. And Simon, first of all, graduate of Coney High School, a Mainer. Um, tell me a little bit about growing up in Maine. When did you start playing basketball and how did you start to realize, hey, I could play this in college? Uh, yeah, so I grew up in Whitefield, Maine, um, which is like 15, 20 minutes away from Augusta um, in a like country farming town. Um, I was adopted from Haiti when I was 11 months old by um, my mom. Um, so I grew up in Whitefield. Um, I've been there ever since I was little. Um, been there for eight, 19 years. Um, I have a little brother, um, and then we started. Ba- I started playing basketball when I was around like three, four. So I've been playing basketball my whole life um, throughout high school. All up until high school, I played basketball and soccer, um, and then baseball was a big sport when I was younger too. Um, so basketball's been a been a huge part of my life, and then. I didn't really. I always wanted to play basketball by, beyond high school. So um, college was like, where's my next step? Well, um, how am I gonna get better? So I was always working hard, playing AU um, in the off season. And then my junior year, I kind of found out about Bates through my high school coach because he went to Colby. So we started looking at schools, looking at NESCAC. So my first choice was Colby um, going into my senior year. And then um, I looked at Bates, and then. I fell in love with it right away, fell in love with Coach Furbush, and then I had to where I knew I wanted to go. So initially you're looking at Colby, and so now when you actually play against Colby, what's that like? <laughs> uh, it's always a great, um, weird feeling uh, playing against my coaches. I have a really good relationship with my uh, high school coach, so knowing he went there, knowing the history there a lot more, it's always a great time, great feeling playing, um, just waiting for my first win against them. Certainly, and then um, obviously your first year here, maybe not what you envisioned, obviously. Uh, how did you kind of work through it not having any games last season? Um, I took it as uh, the next year to get better, um, like a little like a redshirt year. Um, still working with the guys 24-7 around um, a bunch of great great college players. So I took it as a year that I can like really develop my game, um, become a better player, and I feel like I succeeded in that. And I noticed watching you play that you're fearless, you'll shoot it from anywhere. How did that develop? Going into this year, um, talking with the coaches last year, um, shooting was a big emphasis for my part. Um, Last year I wasn't the the best shooter, so this summer was working on my shot because being the shortest guy on the court all the time, I'm not going to be able to get to the rim as easily as I was in high school. So uh, I was going to have to shoot it from deep, and I, I really worked on that, especially with Coach Ronnie. Um, in the mornings and the afternoons, um, working on my shot, getting it quicker, shooting from deep, um, just to be able to be a threat out there. Well, I was going to ask you about that in terms of adjustments from high school to college basketball. Now you had the year kind of without games, and now you're thrust right into collegiate competition. Everyone's older now. Uh, what's what's the, what's it been like? Uh, the biggest difference is uh, the pace of the game and uh, the guys. Everyone was their best player on high school in high school, so. Pace of the game, uh, guys are a lot faster, so I can't get to the rim as easily as I could in high school. Uh, and then they're just all great players. I mean, uh, you're playing someone who's been the guy um, for the last four years, four or five years. Um, so they all know how to play. So going into a different game, 
you have the same mindset of like these guys know how to play these guys are college athletes as well um so you can't um look down on anyone take us through the boating game uh we're talking on a monday this was yesterday a sunday a victory over the polar bears um obviously a big game for you what was clicking on the court uh yeah so uh big bounce back game from um Colby game on Friday. Uh, we came in um, looking to connect a little more on the court, um, had a little more fun with it, and I think we did that. Um, we, were, we were hitting shots uh, early on, um, so it was happy for us. And then second half, um, we weren't hitting shots as much, so I think defense was a big key um, in keeping uh, our game plan and sticking with that and like keep shooting. Shots are going to fall late, and they did. Um, and I think that's something that we haven't um, – done throughout the season was uh, usually when we start missing shots, we get down on ourselves. But I think we stayed up and we stayed good um, and powered through and ended up with a W. I was going to say defense had 13 steals there. It seems like when the team's having success, the defense is getting those turnovers, right? Yeah, uh, defense is creating our offense most of the time. We want to get out and run. And I think um, that defensive energy was there with the 13 steals. Uh, Omar had a couple blocks. Kenny had a couple blocks. So I think um, that defensive energy was a lot better in this game than it has in prior games. Um, we started out in our press, press, so I think that set the tone early. And then what's it like for you coming in to play with a, a guard like Stefan Baxter? I mean, he's obviously one of the captains on this team. It's, it's funny, it's actually his only, his only second year playing also for the last season, but what's it like working with him? Yeah, uh, I look at him, uh, when I came into Bates, he was, a, he was the guy, so I try to look at him, try to follow his game, and then um, being on the same court as him, um, let him do his thing, and then let me do my thing, and I think we click really well together. Uh, defense are going to look at him to collapse on him, then I'm there for the shot, and then vice versa. So I think um, that our chemistry works really well together. Um, reminds me of that guy from high school where I looked up to us the same way. He was a couple grades above me, um, same point guard position. So I think it's just the same way, go about it the same way, um, and I just let him do his thing. Is your role on this team similar to what it was in high school, or is it totally different? Um, I wouldn't say it's uh, totally different, but um, I think from the leadership aspect, it's uh, relatively the same. Uh, being a point guard, you got to be uh, vocal, got to keep guys together. Um, and then uh, playing-wise, I think it's like I got guys I can score too, so I think um, I got to look to them first like I did in high school. Um, and I think I did that well in the Bowdoin game yesterday. I was, wasn't taking shots early, so got my guys involved early. And then uh, later on, I started hitting my shots. And I think that's what I did in high school as well. What is the team kind of looking to do moving forward here as we're about the halfway point of the NESCAC season to kind of have a, a strong face? you got a lot of home games left on the docket. I know that. I think it's uh, taking one game at a time. Um, getting the first NESCAC dub, it's a great feeling. So I think we know what to do. We know what we need to do to win. Um, so I think we go in. Our next game against uh, Klein and just battle it out, energy off uh, all 40 minutes and um, try to get that W. And what's it like playing an alumni gym? Obviously, we've had limited capacity this year, but the Bowdoin game in the fall was pretty electric, I remember. Yeah, so um, alumni was a big staple of what I saw coming to Bates. Mm -hmm. um, I like the small gym, especially in college where you're not going to see a lot of fans. So a big gym wasn't my ideal place because I wanted it to feel like there was a bunch of people. And I think um, the energy in this gym is wild. Uh, even with 50 people here, you can still get a good energy, uh, great uh, connection with the fans. Um, so I think alumni is just like that homey place, the uh, best place to play in NESCAC. I wish you've been working a lot with Coach Turner, um, assistant coach, former Lucent High School coach. Did you know him kind of growing up uh, in the high school ranks and stuff? Yeah, so um, when Coach uh, Ronnie was uh, at Lucent, I guess um, I gave him my, his first uh, loss. <laughs> uh, it was a preseason game, um, Coney versus Lewiston, I guess, um, my senior year, his first uh, coaching debut, so uh, I guess I gave him his first loss, um, so that was a great way that we connected uh, when he came in last year, but yeah, we've been working a lot lately, uh, especially now, especially how we got playoffs coming up, trying to get my game, my shot, uh, the best it can be, so yeah, he's put a lot of time with me, and I appreciate it a lot. Great. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share about the season so far we haven't got to talk about yet? Uh, I think people are starting to put us away um, for the playoffs and uh, starting to like look, not look at us, uh, put shy us away, uh, look at the top four teams, and I think that we've battled every game um, and that we are a team to look, through, look at coming playoff time. 
All right, sounds good. Looking forward to a bunch of home games down this stretch. Simon McCormick, thanks so much. Thank you. The squash teams swept Colby last week, continuing their success against the Mules. The Bates women have not lost to the Mules since 2001, and the men have not lost to Colby since 2000. On Sunday, the men fell 5-4 to St. Lawrence, but the women completed a perfect week with a 6-3 victory over the Saints on Senior Day at the Bates Squash Center. Junior Cricket Dotson was named the NESCAC Women's Squash Player of the Week after winning at both the number 7 and number 6 positions. And she is also our female Bobcat of the Week. My family moves around the country a lot for my dad's work, and um, we move about every four or five years, so... Right now, I don't live in Texas anymore. I'm in the process of moving to Cleveland, Ohio. And I chose Bates because I went to a really small boarding school for high school. And I really liked having a small community. And I wanted to continue that in college. And I feel like if you go to a small boarding school, either you love it and want to continue going to a small school in college, or you absolutely hate it and want to get as far away as possible. <laughs> and I loved it. So that's why I'm here right now. And obviously, um, you know, squash, a sport that um, has been growing over recent years, but, you know, not necessarily a typical sport for someone to play growing up. So how did you get involved with the sport? Yeah, so I never heard of squash before because I grew up in the South and squash is really non-existent in the South. And I went to boarding school. I went to St. Mark's in Massachusetts. And when I was a freshman, I decided to join this recreational squash club. And I had played tennis since I was six years old and I just thought it would be fun. And I ended up actually having such a good time that I became obsessed with it and started playing every single weekend, Saturday and Sunday, um, just because I had so much fun and I would lose track of time. And my sophomore year, I made varsity at high school and I played on the varsity team for sophomore, junior and senior year. Um, and I actually was not recruited to Bates to play squash, but I just walked onto the team because I love it. And um, yeah, that's how I got here. Great. So yeah, when you first stepped on campus, what was the process like to join the team since you weren't recruited for it? Yeah. So when I stepped on campus, we actually didn't have a squash coach. Um, we were in the process of um, finding a new one. And we also didn't have any squash courts. And so basically we just had a team with no coach and no courts. And I had to reach out to the tennis coach, um, Coach Gay, to talk about potentially walking on to the squash team. And I talked to the captain, Lutza Polgar, after a few weeks on campus, who was really excited to have a potential walk-on, especially a potential walk-on who could drive the team to practice at Bowdoin's courts twice a week, which was kind of like, that's a win-win. And so um, as a team, we practiced at Bowdoin twice a week until the season started. So it was kind of a rough transition to getting courts and getting a coach for our freshman season. Um, but we ended up having a fantastic season and it was awesome, but it was kind of crazy in the beginning. Yeah, for context, for folks who don't know, the courts were being renovated in that fall. And so, um, but now they're back in business uh, at the Debate Squash Center. What's it like uh, playing at the Bates Squash Center in that environment? I love playing at the Bates Squash Center. And I think this is something that's really unique about our college facility is that um, most colleges have a squash facility on campus. It's like part of the gymnasium or something. And the Bates facility is actually like a 10 minute drive off campus. And um, I really enjoy playing there because as a team, when we're, we leave our classes at 4 p.m., we have kind of 10 minutes of an interim to really kind of relax from our day and focus our mindset into getting really excited to play squash and kind of like get anything off our chest and then just have a great time together um, at the facility. And yeah, so I really like it. Um, I think that's something that's really unique about Bates that some people might not like, but we really like that. 
Well, it's like almost like a second home, right? I mean, or mm-hmm. maybe even a first home, right? <laughs> yeah. <on> how- <laughs> yeah, we're in the process of um, like renovating our locker room right now. Mm. And we're having a lot of fun um, decorating that. So it's definitely becoming more and more like a home as time goes on. And now, of course, we mentioned, you know, when you first arrived there, we had, we didn't have a coach at the time. Ryher get since obviously was hired. What's he like as a head coach? Yes, Rye is awesome as a head coach, especially because he's so young. So he really understands what it's like to try and balance college academics with college squash. He's really understanding with those things and like can help us prepare for how to balance those. And I think that it might not be as um, easy for coaches who haven't so recently been in college to understand that and help support us through that. I know that he's had a supportive role through a lot of my teammates um, with that kind of balance, which is really awesome. And also because he is such a new coach and also just because of his personality, he's really ambitious and Mm -hmm. has really high goals for our team that our team without his like vision probably wouldn't have set goals that high in the first place, but he really pushes us as a team to get out of our comfort zone and dream a lot bigger, especially with end goals for our season and how he sets up our schedule for the season, playing a lot of very difficult matches against teams like Cornell and UPenn and Columbia, who we've never played before until he got here and having that match experience and his confidence that we can play at that level is really transformational for our team. Yeah. For you personally, obviously, what's it like going up against those Ivy league opponents? Because yes, I've noticed that too. The schedule is very difficult. (laughs) Yeah. The schedule is definitely really challenging, but um, this is the case for a lot of my teammates and for myself as well. When we play teams that are at a such a higher level than our team is, we can play up to their level. And it's really a great challenge to really put on a huge battle and not make it an easy match for them and kind of fight to earn their respect um, by working extremely hard and staying in the match as long as possible and keeping them on court as long as possible. Because I would assume that they come to our courts knowing they're ranked like 10 positions higher than us nationally and they're competing in a different league than us. And they're thinking that this match is gonna be like a five minute long match and they're not gonna be exerted and things like that. And this season we've really pushed ourselves and played up to the level that they push us to and we're able to put on some really great battles with these really high up teams and i know that's the case for me personally when i'm playing somebody who is at a like clearly much higher level than me they force me to play a lot smarter a lot more accurate and i really like that opportunity Excellent. And this past week, obviously, a really good one for the women's squash team. A couple of wins over Colby and St. Lawrence, respectively. How cool is it get to win there on senior day for the seniors? I know Natasha Jones and, and Natalie Bachman, right? Yes. Senior day was awesome this year. And I think that a huge part of that is because, um, like, this whole season, St. Lawrence has had a very similar record to mm-hmm. us. And so it was clearly – it was not going to be one of those matches where – we're super far apart and like it's clearly predetermined who the winner of the match is going to be. And those are the best kind of matches because you have to dig deep within yourself to push past no matter how tired you're feeling, how if you're not feeling confident that you can win. And if you just want to give up, um, you have to rely on your team and the culture and the family that we've created since we first stepped on campus and that is the determining factor that like causes one team to win when it's so close it's really how much you're digging for your teammates and your family and so to have our senior day be a battle where every one of us had such a close match that we had to 
dig that to that deep level was a really awesome experience. Great. And then, you know, this being your second year kind of playing on the team, because last year we didn't have a season, unfortunately, but what have you been working on throughout the year on your squash game personally, because you were able to move up to number six and, and get the win there on Sunday. Yeah. So I think there's two main things that are really important for me with my squash game. Um, and, you know, I spend a lot of time practicing doing a lot of target hitting to make sure that when I'm in a match and I'm under pressure and an opponent hits a really tough shot, it's just muscle memory for me to have a really accurate shot that they're going to have to sprint and lunge and really exert themselves and put themselves under pressure to return. So that's what is like second nature for me, putting in that solo work. For me, the biggest work that I've put in between last or freshman year season is my mental game because squash is like extremely mental. It's just, it's a mental chess game. You have to be thinking about where you're hitting the ball, where your opponent is, where your opponent thinks that you're going to hit the ball, which place is their weak spot, which place is your weak spot. And it's all constantly changing. And you have to be really present and really calm in a match to be able to balance all of those factors. And I'm the kind of person who likes to think about one thing at a time and would just rather do a drill than kind of put all those puzzle pieces together. And so this season, the biggest change is me playing a lot smarter to where the opponent, where their weak spot is, where I'm trying to get them to run around a lot more because in the past I would just like, oh, I'm just going to outrun them. But now I'm like, I think that I can get them to be exhausted and I don't have to outwork myself because I'm going to play a lot smarter. Definitely the biggest change. I was going to say, yeah, squash is, um, even though it's in a small contained space, it is exhausting, I imagine, right? Yeah, so it's really... Um, like deceiving that the squash court is so small because um, it's such a fast game. So um, you have to be doing a lot of fast sprinting and lunging and which is all fine. But at the same time, you also have to be completely mentally clear and hitting accurately. Otherwise your opponent is just gonna absolutely destroy the ball and you're not gonna be able to get it. So, Definitely when you're playing a really close match and it's the fourth or the fifth game and you've been doing mind games and sprinting for 40 minutes, you start to get really fatigued. And that's when like in between squash games, you go off court and your teammate who's repping the match gives you advice and gives you and tells you, look, your shots are not high enough on the front wall or the opponent is getting exhausted switching directions they can't keep up and you need to stay calm you're getting frustrated and things like that so when i'm playing in the fourth and fifth game i like what's a determining factor is how my teammate is coaching me because the relationship that you have with your teammate is just so important and their voice really just takes over because you're just so tired and you just have to trust that what they're telling you is gonna help you and you just have to do what they're saying because you trust them and they know you and they know your game and so that I have to really rely on that and it can be hard because it might be uncomfortable for me to hit some shots that I don't feel comfortable hitting but I just trust that my teammates know what they're saying and it usually works out. I love that part about squash is the coaching between the teammates, between games uh, during a match. Um, who have you been coaching? Who's been coaching you this year, kind of? Yeah, so my I've had a bunch of different people coaching mm -hmm. me. I think I've, at this point, I've had like half the team. I've, anyone, anyone below like number five has coached me this season because that's the interesting thing about squash recently. I think, I don't know if this is a new thing, but I don't think it's a new thing. I think this has always been the way, but this is just in college squash. So to me, it's kind of new is there's an order of play. So there's nine people that have to play. There's three courts 
and they're divided. Number three plays first on that court, followed by number one, followed by number two. And so whoever's refing you coaches you and that order changes every week and it's released. So anyone who's kind of in your group of three can coach you. And we like to kind of have meetings with our groups of three or as a whole team where we talk about like what kind of coaching and feedback are you most receptive to and like how can I communicate that to you because even though you're alone on that court communication and strategizing between each game is so crucial and it's so important that we understand each other and like for example some of my teammates are like I want you to just tell me exactly what I'm doing wrong. I can take harsh feedback. Just tell me to be super direct and I will fix it. Whereas me, I'm like, I wish I was that kind of person, but I just need a calm environment where you say, maybe you should hit it here. (laughs) Because if you, if you give me harsh criticism, I will, I know myself, I will not take it well in that situation. So you really have to know yourself and you have to know your teammates. Awesome. And then NESCAC championships coming up uh, for the women, February 11th through 13th in, at Hamilton College in New York. What are some thoughts you have uh, on NESCACs coming up here in a couple of weeks? I am so excited to go to NESCACs, especially with our team and especially after the season that we've had, because we have had so many close matches with other schools in the NESCAC, like Williams, Middlebury, Amherst that like could have gone either way and we put everything we had into those matches and we like barely lost them and now we have we've had five or six weeks in between playing a bunch of NESCAC schools with super close matches um and NESCACs when we have the opportunity to play them again which I'm so grateful we have an opportunity to play them again, especially after six weeks of training and improving as a team. Um, And I really think it gives us the upper edge to have left the first time we play them a little hungry, a little disappointed. I think that gives us um, a lot of motivation and practice and a lot of excitement. And like, we wanna get back out there and we wanna show these teams what we're actually made of, especially after um, this month, um, past month of training that we've put in. So as a team, we're really, really excited. Awesome. Well, looking forward to it. Cricket Dobson, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. NESCAC Women's Squash Player of the Week. Thanks again. Thank you. The track and field teams sent athletes to Boston University for the Terrier Classic and to the University of Southern Maine for the USM Invitational over the weekend. Senior Captain Elise Lambert set a new personal record of 2 minutes, 13.64 seconds in the 800 meters at BU. And junior Rowan Hassman led a 1-2-3-4 Bates finish in the mile run at USM. We caught up with Hassman to chat about Bates women's track and field. Rowan, first of all, before we get into the last uh, weekend in terms of the meet and everything, you're from Texas, so tell us about how Bates got on your radar for colleges. Yeah, so uh, I'm from like North Texas, but I grew up outside Philly, so kind of on the eastern East Coast. Um, and then I have family in Boston, so they would tell me about schools up on the East and in New England. And so it jumped on my radar, and I toured a bunch of the NESCACs, and Bates really stood out to me, so I ended up coming here. How did Bates stand out for you? Uh, I did an overnight visit um, with uh, someone who's a senior on the track team right now, and it just seemed like a really good environment and um, very like relaxed but also rigorous, and so that's something I, I wanted to um, be a part of, I guess. And how did you first start getting into running growing up? Um, my older brother started running, um, and there was also we, we lived behind the, the high school track, so we, we joined the youth program that would run over there. So I've been running since like first grade on that track team and then just sort of progressed into high school and now college. Great. And then um, you were abroad in the fall. Tell us, where'd you go? Uh, I went to Copenhagen, um, which was awesome. There was like, it was a really cool like drug development program that I got to be a part of, um, which was really interesting and, and something that I wouldn't have been able to do here, which is nice. Great. And were you able to follow the, the women's track, uh, the women's cross country team's success this fall? Yeah, they did awesome. I was able to live stream like a lot of the results and like see it come in real time. Um, it was really exciting getting to watch uh, 
or I, I didn't watch the video, but I, I live streamed the results of them running at nationals, and they did awesome, which was really exciting to see. Great. And then um, the mile run this past weekend uh, at USM, you led a one, two, three, four Bates finish. Take us through the race. Yeah. So uh, it was it was a, uh, a relaxed meet, which was nice. Um, and then we had a there were two heats, and in our heat we had uh, four Bates or five Bates girls. Um, and uh, we were all run, supposed to run the same splits, so we decided before the race that we were just going to pack up and work together, like take turns, um, leading each lap. Um, and Lily Miller, who's a freshman, she took the race out for us, which was nice. She's really great at pacing. Um, and she led us through the first four, and then I sort of took over and led us through the last four, and we were able to like pack up and work together, which was awesome. Yeah, because that's kind of like, that's like cross-country, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was much more like of a team race um, than most track races would have would have been. So down the final stretch, was it a sprint to the finish? Uh, no, we were all sort of like stacked in a line behind yeah. each other coming down the final stretch, which was nice. But yeah, it was great to just be able to work together. Great. And then um, overall, obviously, you know, haven't had an indoor season for a couple of years. What's it like being back on the track in um, competition? I mean, you were there in the spring for the short season, but now a real season, it seems like, right? I was I was really nervous about it at first because I haven't hadn't raced in so long and then the track season was short and I haven't been on the indoor racing, um, but it sort of just like all came back sort of having that environment with your teammates like helping each other up and supporting each other and so it it made it easy to sort of just like reintegrate and and start racing again. Great, I've asked a few juniors this. Do you feel like a junior, <laughs> like athletically or what in terms of that? Um, honestly, not not quite, just because. You know, like, last year was so strange. We didn't really get athletic seasons until that little tiny bit at the end. Um, and then, uh, like, freshman year obviously cut short. So it does feel – I do feel young and, like, also going to meets. It's like, you know, we're expected to lead the warm-ups and do this and that. And it's like, I this is my second season ever. Like, we're on, I'm on the same page as a lot of the sophomores. So um, that is sort of interesting and different. But just sort of we're all figuring it out together, I guess. So, like, what goals do you have in mind for this season? Obviously, you have the main state meet this weekend, right? Yeah, so I guess main state meet is just, uh, not sure what I'm racing yet, but I think as a team, we want to compete with Bowdoin um, like we usually do. So that's, that's like, our team goal. Um, but in terms of the season, just hoping to qualify for New England um, and hopefully get as many girls as we can to as well. So for New England, is that the mile you're looking to qualify for? Or? Um, hopefully the, the mile or the 1K. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I'm much closer in the 1K, so hopefully that will that will work out. So for the 1K, what, what time should we be looking out for in terms of qualifying? Or do you not know yet? Really? Uh, the qualifying time is, is three, 3 minutes, 12 seconds. Okay, very specific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where are you at right now? Uh, I ran a, a 3.12.06. Okay. So. Very close. So. Very close. Well, great. Well, we'll keep track of that for yeah. sure. Um, is there any other thoughts you wanted to share about the season so far or the team in general we haven't gotten to talk about yet? Um, I mean, not really. The, the team seems really strong right now. We had, like, a lot of our um, top girls and get to race this weekend. They're resting. Mm -hmm. And so we'll get to see them, like, do their thing on Friday, which will be awesome. Um, and, yeah, I'm just excited to see what everyone can do. Great. Main State meet coming up this Friday in Waterville. Bobcats looking for their eighth straight title. Rowan, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Thank you for having me. For the men's track and field team, senior John Everett continued his strong start to the season, winning the weight throw at USM and placing second in the shot put to teammate Liam Byrne. Everett joins the show to discuss continuing the winning legacy of Bates throwers and the strength of the team as a whole entering the main state meet this weekend. Well, John, I mean, first of all, just tell me a little bit about how you first got into throwing, kind of, you know, growing up. How did this, how did these events first appeal to you? I was trying to find uh, something to do in the spring out of season for football my freshman year. So I rolled up to the track, and I was like, oh, I see a lot of big dudes. Let me see if I can get in and try and do that. And so I went there. First time I ever tried to do a warm-up lap, I completely failed. So I ended up, like, walking one of them, which was pretty funny. I always look back in that and laugh because we always had to do two warm-up laps, and I would always, like, just end up dying for some reason, <laughs> probably because I wasn't in shape. I can relate to that, yeah. Laps, laps are hard. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we kind of just got into a groove where we were all just a really tight-knit community because we all did football and we all did track. So we would always just have, like, all these like crazy Saturday morning practices. And I really just fell in love with the team culture that we had in high school. So that was in high school. So then you were looking at colleges. What made Bates kind of place for you? Oh, this was a no-brainer. This, this program's probably 
one of the best throws programs in the country because they can turn any athlete like myself into like a very good Division three athlete. I think we have a lot of the records. We have most of the NESCAC records. Our top 10 lists are very competitive for all the throwing events. And we have this long legacy of throwers who have become All-Americans. Most recently, Johnny. Right. Johnny Rex graduated last year. And the high school I went to, St. John's Prep, three of the best throwers we've had at Bates all went there. And when I came up here to tour, one of the assistant coaches, Rick McNeil, graduated from Bates. He also graduated from St. John's. So he toured me around, and it was really exciting. And then on the flip side, academically, the academic reputation of the school was very well um, known, and I knew a lot about it. So this was a no-brainer going to Bates. Terrific. And then how have you seen yourself kind of grow as a thrower? Because this year it seems like you've had a bit of a breakout. You've won all three uh, weight throw events, I've noticed. Yeah. um, It's a lot of hard work, I think. Anyone who's accomplished anything in athletics knows that it's really just about the consistency and just consistently showing up every day, whether you want to or not, and just putting in like a lot of effort. Just dial it in for those two hours. You might not be able to feel it for the day, but if you can just muster up like some effort to dial it in for two hours and do that on a regular basis, all those days start building up and they start adding to something that you have never could have foreseen happen. What's the relationship like between the throwers on this team? I know Liam Byrne is also a good thrower for Bobcats and a number yeah. of other guys as well, right? Yeah, no. So Bernie, Jacob, James, I think the culture that we have now is awesome because we, we do everything together. We lift, we throw. We can't eat right now, but right. we usually do that too. I think we all push each other to get better every day, and it all starts with just we're all on the same page training-wise. There's no discrepancies. Everyone knows that we, we all want to be the best version of ourselves, and every day we push each other to do that. I think that's what really makes us mesh as teammates. What's your favorite event and why? I want to say weight because it, it become, it's the most natural to me, but it's not. Uh. I think the my favorite event might be Hammer. Mm. It's I'm not the best at it, and that's why I love it because it's just something I can just go out, do, and relax. And just it's rarely it's very technical, so it's one of those things that I love solving puzzles. And like every turn has its own little piece that it fits into more so than a lot of the other throwing events. And so I think that's why it's my favorite. It's, it's very relaxed. I don't really need to think about it. I don't need to think about how I am in the country with it. Mm my standings i don't need to think about who do i have to face this weekend and who do i have to beat it's just something i can just go out there and do for fun and that's outdoor season obviously. that's outdoor yeah. yeah it's similar to weight throw but it, different right it's it's a longer wire mm-hmm. and then it's a 16 pound ball the weight's just 35 pounds right. just a ball you pick up and sling <laughs> yeah do you take any technique from one event to the other there or i think a lot of people um, criticize the weight because it throws off the hammer, mm. but our best weight thrower is also our best hammer thrower, mm. Sean Enos, who also went to St. John's Prep. Sure. Um, he he was just so technically proficient that if you can, it's translatable. It does throw off some of it because it's just a different implement, mm. but like your familiarity with a circle and moving through similar positions, oh, it 100% helps. Yeah, Sean Enos, obviously one of the great Bates throwers, um, I believe class of 2015, uh, so do you hear from those guys a lot, the alums? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm really close with D-Ray. Okay, yeah. And so D-Ray this summer, like, pushed me, like, harder than I've ever been pushed before in my life. It was um, – he had me squat every single day, seven days a week for three months. I think I missed, like, one day out of those – but it was just more of like a mental thing and knowing that I need to push myself every day and show up. Um, I'm really close with him, and I really stay in contact with Johnny. I'm always letting them know how I do after every meet. I check in on them like once a week, tell them how my week went with the throws, tell them where I'm at, and show them some videos that they help break down a little bit. So how did you get connected with D-Ray? Because you, you didn't overlap with him here. No, no I yeah. didn't. Uh, he was my host for my overnight. Okay, yeah. So, and then... I came up to Bates a few times when I was a senior in high school, and I think that it was one of those, like, he just kind of understood that I understood the culture, even at that, like, age before I even got here. So, like, he knew that, like, I was kind of about training really hard and um, doing what it takes. 
So you got you got together with him each week during the summer or each day? Yeah, yeah. like just weekly check-ins. Yeah. At, like it, at one point, I was just he was like, just whatever you do, just send me one squat video, send me one throwing video, let me know that you're showing up. So I, I did that to hold myself accountable, and I thank him for that. So do you see that really paying off so far this season, it seems yeah, like? Yeah, definitely. I had a minor hiccup with my elbow. I kind of picked it up in shot last week, but these aren't the marks that – I necessarily want, but they're the ones I need right now because mm. I haven't thrown anything major yet in the in the in the in the shot, um, recovering from this elbow injury. So building that confidence back up. A lot of throwing is very mental. It all it all happens between the ears because like the slightest thing could just like easily just distract you from what you need to do and just get inside your head. I talked with John Rex a lot about throwing when he was here. What did you learn from him? Because obviously All American, you know, last spring. Oh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we, we, it all gets carried down. I think that's what yeah. makes our throws program special is we all have our own kind of unique presence that we bring, but we all carry as, as seniors or leaders in the throw squad. Um, but we all have one thing in common is like it's the work ethic and what it takes to win. I think we all bring that, and that's what Johnny instilled in me. I mean, I showed up. I was like 320 pounds when I showed up here, I couldn't throw like really well at all. And then Johnny was like, yeah, you need to lose weight. And I was like, okay, uh, I guess it's on. So I, I did everything he told me to do. And I still do. Cause we talked last night about something that I need to change my technique. But, um, cause I knew he, he did what it takes. So I'm, I'm going to listen to a winner on how to win. So I, I, I learned a lot from them about how to carry yourself as an athlete um, and about how to like just go out there and perform and just do it every day and how to be good and how to be like a, a master of your craft. Great. Well, Maine State meet this weekend, right? What are some oh, thoughts yeah. on that, Colby and Bowden? It's going to be good. I'm very excited for my teammates. They've worked extremely hard across the sprints, distance runners, throwers, um, jumpers. We all put in a lot of effort, and I'm very excited to see what some of the freshmen can pull off because I know that – they have had some hiccups here and there, and everyone's kind of like trying to find their groove, and I think we're really starting to hit it. And I'm just so excited for a lot of the underclassmen, freshmen, sophomore, juniors to really go out there and, and just show what Bates is really about. Because these are like – they're not the most like significant on like a, on a New England or mm. national stage, but it means a lot to us. Because you just want to have the pride over the Colby and Bowden, the like you're better than them, <laughs> and so I think that's why we love it and the camaraderie that it brings out of the um, team. Because it's our last event or our last meet that we're all competing together, so I think that's why it's really special. And I really hope and I'm excited to see what my teammates bring this weekend. And then for you as a senior, what goals do you have? You know, the rest of the year, indoors into outdoor, even. Just stay consistent. Just show up every day and work. Uh, I think the performances will take care of themselves if I just go in there with a positive attitude into practice and just work really hard every day. Um, I'm not too concerned about anything else because that's out of my control right now. Uh, all, I, all, all I really try and focus on is just going from day to day because I know if I get too wrapped up in my mind and placing in all these meets, it just becomes like a you have to do this. And then it kind of, like, messes with my mind a little bit. I'm like, oh, like, I'm not here right now. Let me just try and, like, rip one out. And then once you do that, your form just goes to, like, real bad place. Gotcha. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share about the season so far and, um, you know, your senior year here? Yeah, I mean, uh, if I could go back and do it, I think I would definitely put a lot more emphasis on um, who I surround myself with and, like, who, what, what I strive to be because when I came in here I was like I was like not too concerned with track I didn't really know how hard you needed to work I thought like oh I go to Bates I'm a Bates thrower I'm just gonna be automatically good it it takes so much more effort than I realized and I wish I like knew that like you just have to put like in the extra mile to to get to where you want to be because if it was all, it's like the 99% rule, the 1% do what the 99% aren't willing to do for the successful athletes, um, especially at Division three track level, where it's mostly effort-based, at least in the throws. And then just what I'm most excited about is like the, 
the new coach. I I love Coach Johnson and the vision that he's trying to do with with our team. I think that his presence is very well received because he's trying to really instill values into my teammates that like they might not have yet or they might not know that they need to possess to be successful student athletes and that he he has more of a presence day to day with with everyone across the board on another coaching side coach Kalina really stepped up mm. like fresh is a legend joe woodhead before him was a legend I mean, Coach Kalina, uh, he, he's in he's in the weight room with us every day, which is and he and he sometimes lifts with us too, <laughs> and we're all like we cheer for him harder than we cheer for ourselves because we just want him to like lift with us and like he, he's put he's putting up not bad weight too and and I think the special thing with him is that he's a full time throws coach with us yeah so. He's with. He wakes up in the morning and doesn't leave until we leave at like eight at night because we're always the last ones to leave the weight room, and that's like something that I like love because he's like, and his whole job is to like make us better athletes, and he's doing a really good job. I improved a, a lot. I think we all did across the boards in the weight room and in the circle. If you just look at our numbers across the board, mm-hmm. we're all get, getting way better because of the effort and the time that he puts into us. Excellent. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Looking forward to the Main State meet this weekend. Thanks again. Oh, no problem. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. The Cincinnati Bengals rallied from 18 points down to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs in an overtime thriller on Sunday, winning the AFC Championship and advancing to the Super Bowl for the first time since 1989. As the Bengals football data analyst, Sam Francis, Bates class of 2017, has become a trusted member of the coaching staff. With a direct voice to head coach Zach Taylor during games, Sam interprets data to suggest what the Bengals might do in any given situation. The former Bobcat linebacker and men's lacrosse faceoff specialist is now an AFC champion, and he joins the Bobcast before heading to Los Angeles for the big game, coming up in two weeks against the Rams. Sam Francis with us on the Bobcast, headed to the Super Bowl, and Sam, just take us through the AFC title game, because... The Bengals fall behind so early to the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They have a reputation. What's going through your mind up in the booth, down big there in the first half? We played the week 17. We were down 14 three times, I believe. We were down 14 nothing, 21-7, and 28-14. Um, so it's a spot that we – I don't know if we were comfortable in it, but we had been in those types of situations before, and we knew we had the guys in the locker room to, to sort of fight through that and just, just keep playing our game and uh, come down to a couple situations in the end, and, and hopefully we can come out on top. From your observations, were there's a were there a, was there a turning point in your mind, or are you just focused on each play so much that it's not something you think about? I don't know if there's a, really an exact turning point. Obviously, that stop at the end of the half is huge to hold them to no points. Um, and, and Zach had brought it up in our team meeting the night before. It's the game's going to come down to situations. We've been a good situational football team all year, um, and for for us to have that sort of play, we've been a great end of half team all year as well, both on offense and defense. So. For it to come down to that, it's it's uh, something we've kind of been hanging our hat on all year and happy it paid off for us in that moment. One of the coolest things about your job is that you are actually in the ear of head coach Zach Taylor um, in the headset. What was a key maybe decision you had to make during that game? What was something that, I mean, not make, <laughs> suggest perhaps? <laughs> yeah, there wasn't anything anything too serious, uh, I don't know, too significant, I guess, in that game. Um, there's a lot of fourth down conversations that ended up not coming to fruition. Um, we managed stuff at the end of the half the way we have all year. Um, and then the end of the game, we've we've had some overtime games this year, and and it's it's something that I mean we we talk about every situation that happened around the NFL uh, each week. Um, just kind of walk through, hey, here's what this team ended up in, here's what they did, here's how we would do it. Um, we go through our own games and things that happened and what we would do differently, why they snuck up on us, or what we handled well, what we didn't. So there's not too much I don't think that uh, we've seen at this point that that we wouldn't be ready for. What information do you have in front of in front of you, like during the game? What what do you have in front of you to help guide what what you say to Zach, basically? So you try and chart out as much as you can, right? Like you, as you watch a bunch of this stuff, you kind of create these cutoffs in certain times and timeouts. Like here, we would do that, we would do this. There's only so many things you can do that for until you have hundreds of pieces of paper in front of you. So it kind of at a certain point, and and working with the coaches I have in the past couple of years, it's it becomes a little bit second nature. There's a few things you got to reference as you're going into a drive and just be like, all right, going to this drive, here's kind of where we'd be with timeouts, time, all score, all that stuff. 
Um, but it really, we've done it for what, three years now. Yeah. Um, we've done it so many times that it's, it, it's kind of just off the top of the head at this point. And you mentioned, yeah, three years now. So how have you seen your role evolve? It's funny, on the website, you're still listed in the information technology department, <laughs> yeah. but you're definitely basically one of the coaches. So. Yeah, the role hasn't changed too much. Um, it's by uh, by definition or description, I guess. But I think, and Zach's mentioned it before, it's just the trust, right? We've been doing it for so long that he trusts what's coming from, um, what's coming out of my mouth on game day and the information I'm feeding him and and it just, we continue to build on that, right? As the trust builds, you try try new things, they work, they don't work, you go from there. And I think that's a big part of it is the relationship and the trust between him and I. And obviously people are always talking about the big turnaround, right? For the Bengals for the previous few years. I mean, with, with Joe Burrow, you probably kind of saw this coming, right? But I mean, what, how has he seen this turnaround from your perspective? Uh, I think Joe's been a huge part of it. I mean, he comes in with championship experience and, and, he, and he sort of feeds that into the whole team, right? Um, but I think over the past couple of years, we've played a lot of close games and this team has been very close. And a lot of those, when we played a lot, a lot of close games against a lot of good opponents. So it's, I don't know if you could ever say that you saw this coming, but it's, it's, we felt good about the team that we have, especially having Joe on it. It leads to stuff like this when, when the guys in that locker room just keep believing. So take us through the atmosphere after uh, the, the Bengals won it, like uh, won the AFC title. Like what was the celebration like in the locker room? It, it was awesome. The guys, the guys were super happy. It's just great to see these guys have put in all this work and, and to finally see it. I don't know if you can say that this is coming to fruition or not, but just the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. And Von Bell mentioned it last week in, in one of his interviews. It's guys play 10, 12 years career, careers and don't ever get this chance, right? We brought guys in from winning programs who have played for championships and played for Super Bowls. And even some of those guys haven't, haven't played, played in this game and had this type of opportunity. So just to see the look on their faces and, and, it, and maybe it hadn't even set in for me and it hadn't set in for them, but some of them recognize the moment. You can just tell the joy in their eyes and it, it, it's awesome. I was curious because you've, you've developed obviously a very close working relationship with head coach Zach Taylor. What about the players? How close are you with them in terms of giving them advice? Uh, I don't, I wouldn't say I give them advice. I, everything I do for the most part is fed through the coaches. They're the guys who run those rooms, who, who filter in and out what information gets fed to the players, how the game plan is going to be, how it's communicated and all that stuff. I have a relationship with some of the players just from being out of practice, but in terms of feeding them information, it's, it's, I leave that to the coaches. I've heard you occasionally uh, help out though, in some drills and stuff. Is that true? Yeah. Um, I have a really close uh, relationship with our quarterbacks coach, Dan Pitcher. He was sort of, when I came in my first year, the, the guy who fed Zach the information on situational stuff. Um, so he was the assistant wide receivers coach at the time. So I created a good relationship with him. And then starting at some point last year, he's like, Hey, do you mind coming out? We're kind of short on hands with there's COVID and you can only have certain amount of people in the field and all this stuff. And like, I was like, yeah, I was whatever you needed to be, had the, I was tiered, tiered in the class where I was allowed to be on the field to practice. So I went out with him, caught balls for him. It's just, I don't know, it's kind of something I feel like you could, an experience you could auction off. So I'm not too, <laughs> not, I'm not too mad about having to go out there and catch balls. It's, it's something I enjoy. Being your third year with the Bengals, how do you feel like you're going back when you were at Bates? How do you feel like maybe your Bates education prepared you for this role, whether it be in the classroom or on the football field itself? I prided myself at Bates in, in putting a lot on my plate and trying to succeed while I was doing that. And one of the things I think Bates does a good job, and it might be a sort of a characteristic of liberal arts as a whole, but you learn how to learn, right? It's You're not going to learn specific skill sets where it's like, hey, if you're going to go be an accountant, this is exactly what you're going to need to do. You're going to show up for that job and have the skill set to do it, right? It's, hey, here's the project. Here's some background information on whatever it be the history or whatever the project is. And, and we're going to help guide you and help you figure it out. Come to us with questions. But at the end of the day, it's on, it's on your plate to figure it out. Um, and I think that's something in this job that helps a lot because a lot of the stuff that, that we're working on is, is fairly new um, and hasn't necessarily been done before. So it's hey, you gotta, you gotta figure out and trust your process that you're going to be able to, to do it. And whatever you're doing, just be able to communicate that and make sure that it makes sense. Yeah, what people need to know is you're basically, you are the analytics department of the Bengals. At least you were. Do you have any help yet? <laughs> no, we, there's actually a guy who was, who was here before me named Tyler Gross, who's our uh, website or web developer. So he build that, builds out our whole scouting system and all that. Mm -hmm. So it's not specifically like advanced analytics, but it is sort of, I don't know, in the larger umbrella of analytics that, that gets talked about throughout the league. I think it, I think it meets that classification. I know we have a, a number of Bates guys in the NFL. I know you got to, uh, you got to meet a few, right? Yeah, so Michael Lopez is the director of analytics with at the league. Um, talk to him a bunch. Hopefully, get to see him uh, next week whenever we get out to LA. And then 
Matt Bazergan's the director of player personnel down in the Texans, and I've talked to him. He's been he's been shooting me texts after every game. He's he's pumped up about what happens, and I appreciate his support. He's been awesome. Winning the AFC title, winning the CBB title, compare and contrast. <laughs> Pretty much the same thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they both come with a trophy, and they both get the same amount of fanfare. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so these two weeks lead up to the Super Bowl. What's going to be the preparation like? What do you talk with the coaches? I mean, I know it's only Tuesday, but like, what, what yeah. do you? You've never had this before, so what do you think the preparation is going to be like? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit of a weird feeling, right? Because you come down from this big high, and then it's like, all right, you, I mean, as in this in this business, you kind of get into a routine, right? It's all right, game happens, quickly turn around Monday, start breaking down the other team, put everything together, get the game plan ready Tuesday, then you're off and practicing Wednesday. And this one, it's like, all right, you come down from this big high, you win that game, and then it's like, all right, let's go back to work. But then it's like, all right, there's all this logistical stuff you got to figure out. So we'll start uh, putting. Uh, putting together uh, the information, breaking down the opponent, and getting the game plan ready over these next couple of days. And then uh, and then at some point uh, this weekend, it's still being finalized, but early next week, we'll go out to LA, practice up there, and then or somewhere in Southern California. We're not sure exactly where yet, but somewhere over there. And then uh, we'll, we'll get right into our routine with our Wednesday, Thursday, Friday schedule and play the game Sunday. Without revealing any state secrets, um, the Rams, your initial impressions of them? It's it's a good football team. They're They're... They got a good defensive line. They got a good defensive secondary. Offensively, they have one of the better offensive lines in the league. They got good skill position players. They got the quarterback, and you know, obviously, we're familiar with, with with their coaching staff. Zach having come from from the Rams in twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's a good team. It'll be a good battle. So, um, is Zach extra happy to be facing the Rams, perhaps, with his former team, or is that a little nerve wracking? Uh, I don't. <laughs> I, I think he's just happy to be here. Right. Yeah. It's, it's something that you dream about. It's something that we're kind of left a sour taste in his mouth after 2019 losing that Super Bowl. And um, I think we he's just excited to be here. He probably doesn't care who we play at this point as long as we get a shot. Sure. So I, I was wondering, going back to being in the coach's ear, basically, with the headset, how do you balance like, how does that work in terms of like balancing, not, not saying too much during the game? You know what I mean? Like, because other people are in his ear too, right? Right. Oh, yeah. It's, it's Zach does a good job of giving everyone a voice. And, and the way I look at it is we have so many conversations throughout the week about different things. And my job is to as quickly and efficiently as possible advance the conversation as far as it can go. Right. So it's, it might be as simple as, hey, remember we watched this, right? It might not be the exact situ same situation that we're in but it gets into that mindset where like, all right, we've talked about this and here's sort of how we thought about it, right? And allows, without me having to go on this five minute dossier about like, hey, here's exactly what we should do. It's like, all right, get to that framework, um, get to that state of mind and then, and then he can start thinking about it. And there's, there's certain things where it's like, we've thought it through, we know exactly what we do. The situation comes up in the majority of games and, and it's just communicated and we're good. Um, but it is, I think that's one of the things that gets lost in, in the media and the way these things are talked about is how quickly these decisions have to be made, right? It's the play ends, you got five seconds, 10 seconds to get the play call in and somewhere in there, I've got two or three seconds if I have any advice to give it. So it's, it's not these things where you can go back after the game and spend two or three hours breaking it down, look at time, other times it's happened in history and been like, oh, duh, they should have done that, right? But it's, you got to have it off the top of your head and you got to have the trust in the relationship to be able to communicate it quickly and, and, and just handle it the best you can because you never know what's going to come up. If you feel particularly strongly about something, how do you convey that in two to three seconds? Yeah, if, if I can anticipate it, sometimes I'll communicate it to our offensive coordinator or someone else who's in the booth who sort of has that other skill set and that knowledge of like the play sheet and all the different plays and what we call in certain conversations that I wasn't a part of and all that stuff. If I feel strongly about it, I'll, I, I mean, I'll let him know as quickly as I can. Um, but there's, I mean, we've, we've been through so many of these situations and we've talked through so many of them that, that there's not much we haven't seen and not much that we don't have a way of communicating. Were there any particular moments in the, I mean, you mentioned the stop before halftime, but in like in the second half, the comeback, I mean, do you ever find yourself getting caught up in the moment or are you able to pretty much compartmentalize? You know what I mean? Like in terms of that. Uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard not to sort of recognize the moment while you're in it. Um, but that's, that's kind of my job is to sort of be very frank about everything that's going on and like, Hey, here's what we would do. Here's what we've talked about. And there are things where, emotionally i know i'm not supposed to believe in momentum and all that stuff but but being with the guys and being in the locker like you just you can't help but believe that it's a thing and and just taking all that into account as best you can that's to me that's my job is take all the information that we have available whether that be data and all that stuff or emotions or how coaches feel and all that stuff and and put it together to try and help us make the best decisions we can great what are your thoughts you want to share about 
going to the Super Bowl and this experience you have coming up? I'm just excited, man. It's it's sort of surreal for me. Uh, I mean, even even three years ago when I sat down in the booth for the first game, it was it was kind of shocking to me, and and to be to be in this moment just three years later is is pretty surreal, and I'm, I don't know, I couldn't be happier, more excited. Great. Sam Francis, thank you so much for joining the Bobcast. Congrats again. Of course, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll recap the main state meet for the track and field teams and look back at a big weekend of NASCAR action for the basketball teams. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast.